on today's episode of the Real Foodology podcast. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's the thing. It's like I, I knew a lot of people needed this, and, and yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't even looking at particularly people like me, right? Like I didn't expect people that are doing it for weight, just weight loss, right? Like, you know, there's people with um, chronic illnesses that need to eat this way. Uh, my own parents are diabetics. Uh, there is, you know, of course, um, you know, people with celiac and I have customers with all different conditions that have to eat that way. Yep. And they were completely it. underserved. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Swan. Today's episode is a little bit different than what we normally do here because it's not so much health-focused as it is just a truly heartwarming, inspirational story. And I thought more than ever right now, we need to hear this, you know, these kind of stories because it's it's so inspirational to hear how people truly step up for, for others in time of need. Uh, I interview Mina from Misfits Bakehouse, which is a paleo, keto, grain-free bakery in Northern California. And we actually met just through Instagram a couple months ago because he had reached out asking if he could send me his grain-free bread. And then we just started talking on Instagram. And then, of course, when I brought Anya Fernald on the podcast, who is the founder of Belcampo, and she uses his grain-free keto buns for her keto burgers, she told me a little bit about his story. And I was so inspired by it that I actually reached out to him. I asked if he would come on the podcast and tell it. So there's a little bit of health themes weaved in. He talks about how he moved here from Egypt and how the food terrain is so different compared to, um, you know, here in the United States compared to Egypt where he grew up. He talks about how he gained weight and um, really lost his health for a while and how he got it back doing the keto diet. And, And that's not even the inspirational part of the story. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. I was um, I was actually so blown away that I, I mean, I cried basically with him at the end. Um, had I not been <laughs> mic'd up and on air, I probably would have honestly like really cried pretty hard about it just because it's, yeah, it's such an inspirational story. And like I said in the beginning of my intro, I just was so touched by um by how many people really showed up for for him when he was in need. I don't want to give anything else away. I just really want you guys to hear this story. And more importantly, Misfits Bakehouse ships nationwide. They have some of the best bread that I've ever had, and their tortillas are insane. Um, I will definitely be ordering more very soon because I'm obsessed with everything. He makes a focaccia bread, the baklava um, which I'm trying to remember how to say it the, in the traditional way. My Israeli friend was trying to teach me how to say it, and I feel like I'm going to mess it up. So baklava it is, but it's keto, grain-free, and it's some of the best baklava I've ever had in my life. Um, he did not ask me to say this, but they do ship nationwide. And, oh, but he did give me a code for you guys. So make sure that you go to misfitsbakehouse.com and use code realfoodology to save some money on truly incredible grain-free keto baked goods. And with that, let's get to the episode. Cool. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Mina. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited um, to hear your story because I haven't even heard your full story yet. So... For everyone listening, why don't you start out just telling everyone a little bit about yourself and about Misfits Bakehouse and kind of how, yeah, how you got here. Sure. Uh, so 
technically the journey started in 2012. Um, I was very heavy. Uh, I, I was probably close to 500 pounds. Uh, but to be honest with you, I don't know an exact number because, uh, I, you know, home scales, consumer scales, uh, have a limit of like 450 to 460. Um, so after like, the, you know, when I weighed myself once at 460, I could never find out how much I weighed. And it's not like it was something that I wanted to know. Um, I, I, I grew up your typical nerd. I was, uh, I, I love electronics and computers and my first Commodore 64 knockoff back in Egypt. Uh, that was like the big thing. And, and I would spend all my summers playing with it. Um, and, and I wasn't very active. Uh, and this, like, I, I didn't even learn how to ride a bike until I was 27, 28. Uh, uh, me and my family moved to the U.S. in January of 2000. Um, I was 16. And I, I, that's when I started college, uh, studying electrical engineering. Wow. So um, from there, so you went to college and then... So I'm very curious, having lived um, your childhood in Egypt and then moving here to America, what was your experience when you came over here with the food? And because, you know, we always hear in America, I mean, we know that America is one of the most unhealthiest countries in the US or in the world when it comes to food. Um, did you notice a difference when you first got here? Or was it over time or were you guys kind of aware? I mean... So in Egypt, because again, you know, like I went to high school, it was a private school. So mm-hmm. a lot of my uh, friends and, and, and colleagues in, in high school, they had traveled a lot, right? So I always heard about how crazy the food is in the U.S. And, you know, how, how like, even though we did have McDonald's and KFC and all that in, in Egypt, they would always say like, oh my God, you know, what we see in the U.S. is ridiculous, right? Like uh, the size of that Big Mac or whatever it was called back then the you know one of those like quad burgers or whatever <laughs> at different places but it didn't hit until we actually moved here uh to actually like see it and experience it um, but in the in the same time it's like it, w- it was amazing how many options you have available here versus egypt right um yeah and you know healthier food is i guess expensive but it's more accessible in a way here and if you look around enough you can still get healthier versions that in egypt we wouldn't even hear about back then and and just to put it in perspective this was like we left egypt in december of 99 this was very recent right mm-hmm. like to hear about organic food is like what what is organic even right when we hear people like yeah it's organic and you know, we have Whole Foods here and all different like high-end grocery stores and stuff. And Egypt, you don't know about this stuff. You don't hear about it. It's not, you know, like common knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, but so it was on one hand, yes, all the quote-unquote junk food and the fast food is plentiful here right but also the healthier version of everything is also plentiful um like even you know middle eastern stores where you can um you know buy food that would you know my mom would cook at home it was amazing because 
just because of how the population of people from the Middle East is spread out, you, you're not going to have like mm-hmm. an Egyptian food store or in a, a Lebanese or whatever. It's like only one grocery store that combines all the different countries' necessities. Uh, yeah. So it, mm-hmm. it was really cool to see all that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, if it comes down to it is we have more options here than we did in Egypt. And I can see where that would be overwhelming and would feed into the, oh, why should I like, cook this when I can have that, right? That's like something from McDonald's or Burger King or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, the food system here is more complicated to navigate. Okay, well, that's really interesting to hear that perspective. And I had a similar experience. So last summer, one of my best girlfriends is Bosnian, and she grew up in Bosnia, and her family... Um, they escaped the war when she was five and and she's been living in Dallas since she was five with her family. And we went to Bosnia last summer to go visit her family. The rest of her family still lives there outside of her parents. And I had a similar experience where, yeah, it was, it was wild just going to the grocery store. It, it made me realize how many more options we really do have in the, here in the U S because, you know, for example, I would go um, looking for peanut butter and I'm accustomed to here in the U.S., you look for peanut butter, it's basically half an aisle of all these different brands. And, you know, you can get salted, crunchy, unsweetened, like you name it, we have it. And going to the grocery store there, it was like salted or unsalted. You know, there was like two options, two brands, and that was it. So funny, funny story. Um, growing up, I always loved peanuts, right? Just a little snack. Uh, but... I had never heard of peanut butter oh, wow. until we came to the U.S. And, and the first time I had a Reese's uh, peanut butter cup was like, oh, my God. You know, and it's so silly to think about it now. But it's something that, you know, for anybody here will be like, yeah, it's peanut butter. We have it everywhere. Like, no, no, it was it was not really in, in Egypt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like we were... Um, living in a like cooler area of Egypt. You know, like we, I was born and raised in, in, in Cairo. Um, so yeah, it's uh, a whole different world, right? Like you get so many different options and everything. So yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a big difference. <laughs> Do you think, it's, yeah, it's really wild. Do you think in your experience having all of these options um, is what kind of led you down that path of, cause you know, you were talking about in the beginning of gaining all that weight. Was that part of the thing for you or? I think it definitely played a big part. Um, yeah. but also I think part of it is, um, and, and this is like kind of, a me understanding it after the fact, uh, you know, like in 2012, when I started down my uh, weight loss journey, uh, I, I took a different approach than, what was available back then. So I was like, I was trying to understand why am I gaining weight? Right. Like what, why, why am I so big? And I, I tried a few different diets and whatever, and nothing was working. Um, and, you know, now we know that some people have slower metabolisms than, than other. And that made a lot of sense to me because growing up, for example, my cousin who's a couple of years older than me. We're practically brothers, right? And like we would eat, all the meals together and everything and he could probably out eat me and he was like a quarter of my size right he was super skinny and yeah. it's like it almost felt like i would breathe around the food and boom i'm getting weight when he can like inhale twice as, as much and all good right uh, so I, I think that's 
it didn't help that we had act more access to bad food. Uh, yeah. But I think, you know, like there was the underlying part of like having a slower metabolism. Um, and, and, you know, that definitely doesn't help. Obviously there's, you know, remedies for that by like working out and you fire up your metabolism more. But again, it's like information that I didn't know growing up and I, I didn't have like access to that knowledge and which is now very widely available. Even, even in 2012, it was, not really something that a lot of people know about, right? Like it's like, oh, slower metabolism or the different body types or whatever. Like nobody really, it, it wasn't knowledge that's widely shared, right? It, it was just Absolutely. still on the weird corners of the internet, people talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this subject is so, um, it's complicated. It's multifaceted, you know, because obviously, I would argue, especially here in the United States, a lot of it to blame is our unhealthy food culture, but it's not only that, you know, there is genetics at play. Like you said, your metabolism, um, eating habits, also the way that you were raised and the certain eating habits that you, uh, acquired from your parents, there really are, there's a lot of different, a lot of different things going on there. Um, so how did you get on the path that you're on now? So we haven't even talked about Misfits Bakehouse yet. Not yet, yeah. Um, so, um, to, to just give it a bit of a like a backtrack a little bit. So, after I graduated college, um, I got picked up by uh, GE Healthcare, General Electric, mm-hmm. and I was an MRI engineer. Um, and you know, one of my first weeks, uh, you know, my mentor at the time was like, "Oh, so where where do you see yourself in ten years?" Um, I said, "I want to be in research and development." And he laughed and he was like, yeah, you, you can't unless you have your, at least your master's degree or your PhD uh, in electrical engineering or, you know, like computer science or something. And I really, like, I did really good in school, especially in like the math and calculus and physics and all that. But I just did not want to go back to school. Right. Uh, I don't blame me. But it, it was it just, I'm not very much of a rule follower. Uh, if the name doesn't, uh, suggest that already uh, <laughs> and and I was like I just didn't pay attention I was like yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see um, so I in in from the years of like 2003 till 2009 um, I learned everything that I could like every book that I got every just like every time that nobody was working on an MRI system I would like take it apart and put it back together type deal to, to learn more so I built a name for myself I'm like if somebody has a problem with the system that can't fix it, call Nina, right? Um, and then in 2000, early 2009, I was working in North Carolina and I got this phone call saying, hey, um, Stanford University needs a MRI engineer um, and they're not accepting anybody uh, and we need somebody to, to work with them. Uh, are you interested? And I was like, are you kidding me? Stanford University, that's like, that's like what I like, right? All the crazy problems. Yeah. So they, GE flew me out to Stanford and I interviewed for, it was supposed to be for a two week period, but after the first week I got accepted. Um, and really cool. thank you. Yeah. And, and that was like my 10 year anniversary with GE. Uh, and, and that was me getting into research and development. Right. Uh, and I called that mentor. I'm like, Hey, you know, guess what? I'm research and development. I'm not, master's degree yet uh, um but um working at, on on campus it was um it was a challenge you know being this heavy 
and having to walk around between all the different labs and you know by the time i get to another it, it would take me forever for one and two i'll be like drenched in sweat and it was awful right and i'm like how can i what can i do to make it better right oh my god my brain is always running around like how to make uh, things either easier or better right um and if you've ever been uh, in the bay area and and, and like one of the stanford campus everybody bikes everybody has a bike uh and especially on campus all the students all the professors and mm-hmm. like i mentioned earlier i had never learned how to ride a bike um oh, yeah. you know egypt is not very conducive to riding a bike really and i was like okay you know so i, I did my my you know typical nerd thing i went home and i i started googling how to ride a bike i'm not even kidding uh and i figured out which bike would be appropriate for me at that you know weight and like it would be easy to ride and all that and uh, i found a, a local bike shop i figured out which bike i want what model and all that and i went to them and i was like I know you guys have this bike in this size. Um, here's the money. Give me the bike. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. But you have to try it out. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. I don't have to try it out at all. <laughs> um, and, and like they were arguing with me. And I was like, no, no, no. I just I know this is the size that's going to work for me. I did all the measurements. Just just give it to me. And they're like, cool. Yeah, sure. Um, I literally like, put it in the back of my car and drove to where I used to live and taught myself how to ride a bike in an empty parking lot and busted my butt a few times and you know i, I have some scars to prove it uh, and then i started oh. biking around stanford uh, between the different labs and I, I really enjoyed it right like it was terrifying because if you've ever been to new york city and you see how cabs will cut you off and like crazy mm-hmm. time that's how stanford people Biking ride their ones. bikes <laughs> yeah that's like they'll like cut you off and like always in a rush and god forbid you're on on the main quad between classes oh my god it's it's terrifying <laughs> um, <laughs> so but i started really enjoying how to ride a bike and i was like okay you know maybe i should find the trail and so i asked around i'm like where's the trail that's not too much of an incline uh, or preferably flat so I can start learning how, you know, riding longer distance. And everybody's like, oh, this road around here is super flat and it's fun. And uh, on Sundays they close it for bikes. Uh, you should go check it out. Okay. Um, people in the Bay Area have a very, very big misunderstanding on what an incline is when you're on a bike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they were not wrong as in, the, the road was beautiful. It's called Pinata Road. It's by the Crystal Springs Reservoir. It's gorgeous. It's breathtaking. But mind you, again, I was like almost 500 pounds. Not really that great. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I get to the Pinata Road intersection, park my car, pull the bike out. And I'm super excited, right? Like, I'm going to do this. Uh, and I get on Pinata Road, not even a third of a mile in. And there's a a bit of an incline and that's when I almost lost it. I was like, Oh shit. I have like, I'm trying to like, you know, go up and nothing was happening. And I almost fell off the bike. I twisted my ankle and I had to walk the bike back. Um, and, and that was awful. It was just the most 
I'm, I'm, you know, like a lot of people, I'm very hard on myself. And I'm like, oh my God, I can, this is supposed to be an easy road. I can't do it. And what the heck? And I, I got in the car and I was like, I'm going to do something about this. I, I Do I want to ride a bike? And I was like, yeah, then I'm going to do something about it. So I, it was a Sunday. I went to uh, REI and uh, I didn't have a pair of sneakers back then. Uh, so I went to REI and I'm like, I'm going to go buy, um, if you're familiar with them, the Vibram Five Fingers. It was like toe shoes. Uh, oh, yes. They're okay. very, very goofy looking. Um, and I'm going to use those to go to the gym. And the reason behind it was I'm very self-conscious. So for, for me to get over it, I, I it's like, I imagine that like everybody's staring anyways. Uh, and, and it's like being so out there kind of helps me get over being self-conscious, if it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I got the shoes Monday after work. I went to the gym and I, I um, joined. I got my membership started. And uh, I, I did the classic, what everybody does, right? Like the typical diet, you go very low fat because that's the right thing to do. Um, I, you know, very low calories. And I wasn't even lifting weights. I was just like being on the stationary bike and God forbid, if I got on the elliptical, my heart rate would shoot up to like 150 or something. I can't even remember. And I was super high, wow. in, like within a minute. Yeah. Um, and I lost maybe like 10 pounds in a month which was like, oh, cool, you know, that's great. At least I have some progression. But then um, that I hit my first plateau and no matter what I did, nothing was happening. The scale was not budging. And I was like, what should I do? And like, I'm like, okay, uh, you know, like maybe I should go lower with calories, which is a really terrible idea. Um, and I, I almost wanted to give up, right? Uh, and then... And again, this is for me personally. I was like, if, if it comes down to it where like I have to get a um, surgery or like one of those extreme, uh, you know, like any like the stapling your gut or whatever, I did yeah. not want it. I was like, if I can't do it myself, then I should not do it, right? If it's not meant to be, if I can't lose the weight naturally, then it's not meant to be. I'm not knocking these options. It's just not for me. I, I just don't personally. like surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so again, you know, my, my good friend Google, um, and I was like, I, I got turned on to um, um, bodybuilding.com. Uh, you know, back then there was something very cool called forums uh, where people were posting different things, right? Uh, I don't mm -hmm. even know if forums still exist, but. Uh, they do on Reddit. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this is way before Reddit too. <laughs> uh, but so I, I got on it and I was like researching everything, right? Like, um, and I started seeing people mentioning keto, keto. I was like, oh, what the heck is keto? Right. Again, remember this is 2012. Not a lot of people knew what keto is. And then somebody mentioned, Oh, keto is like Atkins. And Back in 2012, Atkins didn't really have the best name, right? Like, oh, it like, well, it's an awful diet, all that stuff that people are familiar with. Um, and then I started researching more. Like, I, I got to know more about it. Uh, I think it took me like a month or so. Like, I was like just reading everything possible about keto, uh, all the macros, uh, 
what you're supposed to eat and all the percentages. And this actually plays a big part of why I, I do the things in the bakery now, but like, yeah, whatever, 85% fat, um, uh, you know, 10% uh, protein, 5%. Uh, carbs and then there's like the different variations of keto which not a lot of people talk about nowadays which is like there's a, like a straight keto or you're like just low uh, carb for extended periods of time and there's a cyclical which you know you, you go on keto for one to two weeks and mm -hmm. then for 24 to 48 hours you replenish your glycogen which a lot of people in the bodybuilding community like because then you know it helps uh, muscle uh, building Yep. And glycogen is your sugar stores in your body for those listening that don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, like people would mention like, oh, if you go over your protein, that will turn to glycogen and that will kick you out of ketosis. And, you know, there's all the um, back then, all the testing that was available was, um, you know, the urine sticks for, for keto, mm -hmm. uh, like where you yeah, test that. And, right. And, and those came with their own caveats. Um, and then finally, I came across um, Gary Taub. Um, he, he's a, a science journalist, um, and he had all this. Like he, he did a really insane deep dive into uh, why keto and low carb are better for you. Wrote books about it and was doing talks. I consumed all his content back then, and that led me to uh, Dr. Peter. Atea, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, who's also was a big proponent for keto and low carb. Um, so I learned everything about what keto is supposed to be from, you know, all these resources. And let me tell you, I went psycho. Uh, I, I just like I, I had a spreadsheet where I would, you know, uh, one sheet of it would be all the foods I would, um, you know, Eat that I deem keto friendly. So, like, yeah, sausages, bacons, eggs, butter, blah, blah, blah. And I would weigh every single thing. And I and a spreadsheet would uh, calculate for breakfast. Here is your macros. And same thing for lunch and, and dinner and the snacks. And at the end of the day, it will calculate how many uh, total macros and the percentages to make sure I'm in the percentages. And I was ready to go um and i started yeah. keto and uh back then the understanding was like yeah you get about a week that you take the uh, adaptation phase you know that's when you get your keto flu and you know, you're feeling all foggy and the keto breath and you're like you know uh not in the mood and you're tired and all that um and you're supposed to lose anywhere between two to five pounds and that's water weight. Um, but it's still very encouraging. So it was like, this was really cool. Like it was a, a good marker to look for uh, saying, that, Oh yeah, now I'm in ketosis. Um, but that never came after the first week for me. Uh, like I was feeling huh. tired and groggy. Uh, and I was like, ah, well, I'll stick with it for, for another week and see what happens. And it was just like, that keto flu was getting worse. Uh, and I, and then I finally found that, um, a, a, a video, I think it was by, uh, uh, Peter Atea. And, and he said, there's a few percentage of people that the adaptation phase takes up to six weeks. And I'm like, no, oh. I'm like, no, 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 no. And, and, and now I, I don't know if that 
still holds true or not because i mean this is like again outdated but for me it i think it lasts like at least five weeks i was i'm usually even when i was heavy i'm very hyper mm -hmm. and and it was so bad like i was running out of energy by noon and like just chugging caffeine and nothing um mm -hmm. and then but it was the most amazing thing like it was like one day i wake up and it's like a switch happened and and so much energy it was amazing it was like somebody just flicked a switch and uh if you remember i mentioned the keto sticks i hate those things with a passion <laughs> they're, they're the most misleading thing ever because while i was going through that adaptation phase i was testing like i had a lot of ketones um mm -hmm. in my system but i was not in ketosis uh, or like i didn't feel the promised energy the and the weight it. loss right um yeah. and and then and then i kept on digging more and it's like oh yeah well when you're going through the adaptation phase your body is not really using the ketones it's like you're just peeing them out and that's why it will test the darkest level which means there are ketones but your body is not really using them and then when you do get over the adaptation phase you'll test it and even though you might be in ketosis it's going to test as if you don't have any in your um in your urine because then your body's actually using it so it's yeah. not really excreting it out as much uh so that was just like wow that's just useless uh <laughs> um so you didn't start seeing the effects until like five weeks in is that what you're saying or yeah wow. yeah and, and then even then i only yeah i only lost like two pounds and that was also kind of huh. discouraging right because everybody yeah. on the forums were like oh we lost five and some people were like going as high as like seven or eight um mm. again water weight but i was like it would be really cool if i you know that was that yeah. many um but it never and it would encourage you to keep pounds. going yeah. right but years later i understood why and you know we'll, we'll get to that but yeah it's like uh, i stuck with it and because I, i was like you know this is kind of like my last ditch effort um all any anything i've ever tried before just didn't work and what do i have to lose you know just try keto keto uh, keto diet and and see where it goes so i'm gonna like be 100 focused on it and if it doesn't work then fine if it works fantastic um so i kept the, i kept up with it and i was going to the gym i started lifting weights i was even trying to lift weights through the adaptation phase which was a slog right it was, it was just tough uh, it was like being out of energy but i just stuck it out and then like a month in the weight was starting to come off um and um and then you know it, it was great like i was averaging about um uh about two pounds a week yeah after after the five weeks of the rotation phase took a while but then you know <clears throat> the weight started coming off i was averaging about two pounds per week uh on a good week of maybe two and a half pounds which is kind of sounds like too much because usually you're like oh you want to aim for about the one pound a week but I was working with a lot of weight, right? So usually if somebody's was as big as I am, when you're losing the weight, it actually comes off pretty fast at first and then it slows down. 
Um, and then about the one year mark, um, you know, it slowed down a bit, but I maintained my workouts. But it was awesome because I was able to bike. And that was my whole goal. Like people think I, I started losing the weight because, or wanted to lose the weight because, you know, my life was being impeded. And, and if it was, I didn't know, right? Like my life was about doing my work and computers and, you know, technology. And I, I, I was never one to like go out and hike and bike and all that. It changed yeah. over time because I just wanted to ride the bike. Um, and, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I just, my goal was to get to 200 pounds. Um, it was such an arbitrary goal, but I was like, you know, it, it sounds like a good number. <laughs> uh, so that was, that, that was my aim. Um, and then during working out, I, I started doing deadlifts and for fun, I was like, it'd be really, really cool if I can the, the same around the same time where I would hit 200 pounds, I can lift 400 pounds. Um, uh, along the way, like I broke my foot because you know it's like one of those things where you you know all of a sudden I can be more active, and I was like getting into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I recovered out of that, and yeah, on the, in the same week that I hit uh, 199, I was able to deadlift 405, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, That's incredible. Thank you. Um, so years later, I left GE. Um, and uh, worked for a startup that turned out to be awful. Uh, and when I pointed certain mistakes out, um, I got fired. Um, and I, well, you know, I, I was faced with this dilemma, right? Where it's like, I don't really want to go back to corporate, but I really need a job. And I started interviewing around and, and nothing. It, it was just either too highly qualified or, you know, oh, we don't have anything right now. Um, the, the funny part is, you know, you know how early on in 2020, everybody was doing the quarantine baking. Uh, well, I had a lot of time on my hands back then. So that was my baking. Uh, and I don't know why I got obsessed with making bread out of almond flour. Uh, and, and I started, I started, you know, just playing around, uh, you know, the stuff that I had back then didn't look nearly as good as we, what we have now. Um, I even tried to go work with a local gluten-free bakery. Um, and the guy was just not good to, to work with. Mm. Uh, and it was a bad sign when one of his employees, I came to drop off samples once. Uh, one of his employees was like, why do you want to work here? You seem like a decent guy. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's <laughs> like, not a good sign. <laughs> No, she's like, yeah, you don't, you don't want to work here. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and again, you know, I, I didn't really have a plan to start a business. Uh, it was getting to a point where like, okay, you know, I'm running on fumes financially yeah. and I have to do something. Um, so the initial idea was I was going to make bread and sell it on Etsy. Um, but where I was living at the time in Redwood City, uh, you, uh, the Cottage Food Act was not uh, enforced yet. So I couldn't do that from my home kitchen. Mm. And I was like, okay, you know, if I have to get a commercial kitchen, then I might as well try to go into the farmer's market. Um, so I literally sold almost everything I had. Like a, 
I had my road bike I sold. I had my fancy SLR camera and I sold that and its lenses. And I put all the money towards getting the first round of ingredients uh, and uh, all the permits and the commercial kitchen. And let me tell you, I was so nervous because like I literally, like I was mentioning earlier, I'm all about go all in or don't go at all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, here we go. Um, and And I went to the first two farmer's markets. Literally, if I did not do any sales, I would have, I wouldn't have been able to pay the rent for my own apartment, let alone for the commercial kitchen to move forward. And, you know, knock on wood, we started selling out. Uh, And what year was this? This was May 2015. May 23rd, 2015. Um, Back then, the bakery was called uh, Ducks and Dragons uh, Mm -hmm. in Pure Life. Uh, And, uh, and it, you know, and then started taking some traction, right? Um, and that was my biggest mistake, uh, where I started listening to the experts. So my vision was everybody who is gluten-free, paleo, uh, grain-free, keto, you are treated as a second-rate citizen, right? Uh, you cannot go somewhere and enjoy a fresh piece of bread, ever. Where? There is no place. I mean, there was gluten-free bakeries, but when I started looking into them, I was shocked. A lot of them don't really offer fresh stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they're local, like you find their stuff in the grocery store in the freezer section, you, you'll never find them fresh. Uh, yeah. And my vision was like, this is a very underserved uh, consumer base, and it's going to suck to start for a while to start something so against the grain because it's cheaper to make it frozen and you mass produce and just you know, send it out. But that was not me, right? Like I, the, the, I want, I love fresh bread. Like one of my happiest memories growing up was like when my, me and my parents would go to, uh, uh, you know, the, what we called in, in Egypt in Arabic, it's called the oven. Just, you know, that was the bakery. Yeah. And you would get fresh bread. Yes. And I'm like, why is this not available? Right. And, and so, yeah, I had this like audacious dream of having fresh bread. Um, so early customers, um, would remember that I would be baking all night and just running to the farmer's market with the stuff piping hot in my car. Um, because that was, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And, and everybody loved everything because it was so fresh. It was a new experience for them. Um, but you know, back then there was a lot that I didn't know about, uh, the business and sourcing ingredients. Um, I, I knew I had, I wanted the best ingredients always. Uh, um, yeah. Like back then I found, you know, our current almond farmer who, you know, grows the, the, the almonds out of Modesto and we get, we still get almonds from him. Uh, so it's always fresh, but you know, it comes with a premium. Um, and then all the other ingredients, I would just, nobody would, <laughs> cause I did not, my volume was not very big and no distributor would talk to me. They're like, no, like if you have to pay like, you know, 500 pounds of something to, to even have an account with us. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I ended up like buying stuff at a much higher cost. Um, and that put a big um, financial like drain on, on the business. Right. Um, and then about six months in, I took in a partner, another big mistake. Um, 
And I was able to move into our own facility at the time, our own kitchen, which was great, you know, no cross contamination for, for gluten free. And uh, even though there was some cash flow, it was very tight. And that's when I decided to do the hard decision of like, do I really want to continue this and give it 100% or hold back? Um, so I gave up my apartment. Uh, so mm. from November 2015 until January of 2020, uh, I was I was homeless. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I I just and part of it is it was like all the customers that I built from May to November. It, it was amazing that feedback that I was getting from them. Right, it was how. I'll get people telling me, oh my God, we can't believe we're having fresh bread or, oh my God, you're making our kids so happy. They haven't been able to eat a muffin in so long or a cookie or a slice of bread. Uh, and I'm like, I can't give this up right now. Right. And, yeah. and anybody that I spoke with in, in the food business was like, you're nuts. You're not going to be able to scale this. And I'm like, it's never been done. Well, how do you say it can't be done? Like, well, no, we know. I'm just, just okay. You know, I was like, there was no help. Um, it's mm-hmm. not that there was no help. It just nobody wanted to invest into the that market, right? Like nobody wanted to take care of the customer, and and that's nobody a, wanted to take the risk, right? And, and I'm like, that's just so arrogant, <laughs> right? It's like yeah. in in the culinary world in general, if you go to a restaurant and tell them, oh, I make gluten bread they will laugh and walk away i mean mm. things are changing now but it was disheartening like uh, you know back then for example i was told that oh you should do um you get, get into grocery stores and back then you know like i always spoke with like other bakers and stuff and, and they would get into grocery stores and i was like cool so i'll go talk to the buyers and i would tell them like hey you know i make this bread and it's fresh and i'm the only one in the bay area that makes fresh gluten-free bread I didn't even mention paleo and, and keto at the time because nobody really cared about these back then. Yeah. And they would literally laugh and walk away. And I'm like, can you even try it? No, 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 it's okay. We tried plenty of free stuff and it's all disgusting. And I'm like, I know. And this is why my stuff is different. Like, okay, yeah. I literally, there's a couple of grocery stores here. I, I found out what time the buyers would show up in the morning and I would, uh, camp outside of the store at 5 a.m. waiting for them. And I would like run after them with bread. I'm like, just mm. try it. And after like maybe the five, fifth or sixth time, they're like, we'll try it so that you can just leave. And then, you know, a couple of the stores, when they actually tried, they're like, oh, this is actually good. Uh, okay, come on in. Um, but yeah, it's, oh. it's hard. And, you know, not even to mention restaurants. That was, that was another huge challenge. Um, you know, it, so I, I, but over the years too, working with, with grocery stores, grocery stores are not equipped to handle fresh gluten-free bread, right? Like I had my bread put next to regular sourdough bread and it would get cross-contaminated and then mm-hmm. it doesn't sell. And I'm like, you, you can't have it cross-contaminated. Like, oh, we don't know what to do, right? So after a couple of years, I, I pulled out of all grocery stores, uh, and I doubled down on um, e-commerce. So there's a company out here called Good Eggs, and they're an online grocery store. 
Mm-hmm. So when I, I deliver to them, it's all pre-packed and sealed. So there's no cross-contamination. Uh, so I doubled down with them. And then I opened up our own online uh, portal so people can order and pick up or order and we ship. And again, back then, anybody that in the food business was like, that's not going to work. You know, nobody orders bread online. And you know what? At some point, I thought that they might be right because it wasn't really taking off. Um, but I really, really just believe it was like more convenience. Like you can order bread when you're home. Yeah. Um, and and um, the, the other thing was, you know, reorder to come pick up at the farmer's market because, you know, we used to have lines. And, you know, over time, it was still slow, but it was picking up just a little bit. And then you know, 2020 hit. Uh, and the only thing that helping us grow is the fact that I had the, the online store, the e-commerce, but the more important part in that, and that's another thing that nobody listened to me in, in the food business was I was a big believer of building the community on, on social media. Yeah. So when I started, I did not have money to waste on ads. And I, I sort of got like if somebody scrolls through our Instagram, it almost looked like I was talking to myself for at least a year. Like I was posting and just like just talking about whatever. And I I, I would follow different brands and influencers and, and see what hashtags people would use so that I would use them on my posts to get our stuff in front of as many people as possible uh, for free organically. Um, and then just it kind of started clicking. And that's when, you know, now people know all about Misfits Bakehouse and, you know, have a pretty yeah. strong following on, on social media. And the other thing is because I built that community on social media, people would buy our breads and then they'll repost and post about it. And literally, I have zero ad spend after all these years. I've never spent money on ads, period. Um, it's all organic. It's all word of mouth. Um, and and I, this is funny because like, I still get customers saying, oh, whoever runs your social media is, is really wonderful. I was like, like thank you. <laughs> and they, nobody believes That's it. So That's sweet. the funny part. It's, like, it's very few people that actually believe this, that it's me because like, there's no way, but you're running this and you're doing that. I'm like, yes, tell me. <laughs> I'm answering every DM. I'm, I'm answering every comment. Um, I'm the one posting uh, just, yeah. I mean, it's. Well, you know, no one else would have been able to do that, but you, because you're the one that had the vision for it, for it. You really believed in this company. And I just want to commend you for believing so hard in this company that you didn't listen to everyone that was telling you to, to, that it wasn't going to work. You gave up your own apartment because you believed in this so much. And that is such a testament to your success now. And so I just want to commend you for that. That's really incredible and super inspiring. It's really, yeah. Oh, I mean, I was just going to say it's just, it's so hard um, to forge a path when you constantly have all these voices around you saying, good luck, it's not going to work, you know, and you really believed in it and you made it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, I, I knew a lot of people needed this and, and yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't even looking at particularly people like me, right? Like I didn't expect people that are doing it for weight, just weight loss, right? Like 
you know, there's people with um, chronic illnesses that need to eat this way. Uh, my own parents are diabetics. Uh, there is, you know, of course, um, you know, people with celiac and I have customers with all different conditions that have to eat that way. Yep. And they were completely it. underserved, right? And, and mm-hmm. you know, what, what made my stomach turn is every time I would talk to somebody that's doing something similar, they would tell me, why should we do it this way? Like your way, your way is slow to grow. Where are these people going to go? And I'm like, but that's just wrong. It's like, you're literally holding the customer hostage. Like they have no other option to go. So yeah, I mean like the, the most disheartening part was when I speak with people in the gluten-free world, like people that are running their own businesses you know, say like, oh yeah, it's you know, what, what I ask him like, well, what, how come you're not doing it fresh? Um, and and these were entrepreneurs with a lot more resources. It's not, I wasn't assuming this was, you know, that they were open about it, and they're like, what? Why would we do that? Uh, that would make things um, a lot slower for us uh, to grow. And, and and the just the part that I don't understand is like some of these people were celiacs. I'm like, wouldn't you prefer having fresh bread on a regular? And like, yeah, well, I, I I get my own bread fresh. I don't I don't really. It's fine. I'll, I'll send it frozen. Mm. And like, so until today, when somebody orders um, our bread for shipping across the country, you don't get it frozen. Like some places would uh, freeze the bread and let it thaw out over the shipping period mm-hmm. and when i started i was like Mm-mm, not not doing that i was like so i started i ordered from a couple of bakeries that were you know like sourdough bakeries that were that were shipping and i found out like oh they just wrap it in, in saran wrap for example and that will hold the freshness so i went back redid my recipes and tested shipping it fresh and made sure that by the time it gets the other side of the country in two to three days it's still good um and uh, and that's how we ship like those today is like we bake it fresh that morning cool it pack it and ship it i don't know if any other you know gluten-free paleo bakeries do that or not um now but you know for the longest time it's like you order it it's frozen and it gets mm-hmm. there frozen sometimes on like you know dry ice or whatever yeah. uh, to me i was like no that's unacceptable yeah, I was so impressed. You shipped me some bread. Um, when was this? Maybe a month ago, and it it felt it was still warm when I got it. So I don't know if it was like I don't I don't know how that happened. I had originally when you sent that to me, I thought you were in L.A. and so I was like, oh my god, you know, they just had a courier drop it off. Right, um, right. But it was so. Oh my gosh. Also, like I just want to like gush over your bread for a second. Your bread and your tortillas are some of the best that I've ever had ever. Um, I've been gluten-free for nine years now and because um, I have to. I have a wheat allergy. I actually recently <laughs> kind of tested it out, and I had a bunch of fresh sourdough that a friend was making for me, and I got pretty sick for like two weeks. And I, I get kind of like eczema um, on my scalp, and I get these little bumps on the back of my arms. And so, it, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely – Definitely have a wheat allergy, but I was so happy to find your products because they're so good. And the fact that you are so concerned about the ingredients, the quality, you want it to be fresh. Um, 
it's incredible and no one else is doing it. Everyone else is cutting corners. But it's unfortunately, it's like a side effect of uh, uh, a lot of entrepreneurship ventures, right? Like, you know, a lot of people put the bottom line first before the customer. And I, I always saw myself in the customer end first. Yeah. Um, and, and like, I wanted a certain quality in my product from eating it, especially with everything that I learned about nutrition. Right. And, and I was like, this is how, this is my standard for me. And if I'm like, every time we make something uh, with the ingredients, like would I, you know, my, would my conscience be clear about feeding it to my own parents, right? And my sister, and you know, yeah. everybody in my family and me eating it every day. And if not, then no, I'm not doing it. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't do that. Um, like even our, every ingredient has a reason. Like you know, almond and coconut, just high fat, fiber. Uh, just It's good for you. It's low carb. Um, and then we have flaxseed. You get omega-3s, you have, Usually when you're on a low-carb diet, usually you're lacking in, in fiber. Yeah, so every ingredient that I chose, chose for a reason, right? Like, you know, benefits of almond, and coconut flour, and then, you know, uh, flaxseed, all the omega-3s. And then from firsthand experience, when you're on um, keto, a lot of times you're, you know, lacking in fiber and, and you can only eat so much broccoli and Brussels sprouts. Uh, so that was the reason I chose it for being part of the bread. Um, you know, like even later on, I found out, for example, xanthan gum that we use a little bit of, uh, it's very small amounts, but I found out that some, uh, places, uh, they, they use, uh, wheat, well, they'll feed the bacteria wheat and it produces xanthan gum. And even though it's 100% gluten-free, you can test it and it's 100% gluten-free, some people with like um, more severe uh, cases of celiac will still react to it. Um, so I actually did my homework and there's a couple of companies that would either do it from glucose or, or from um, corn and that would you know not cause any reactions. So that's what we use. And that obviously comes with a premium, but again, it was, important for me that I have it to, you know, to, to make it more accessible for people. Um, you know, so that, yeah, every, every ingredient has a purpose. Um, you know, and, and, and I know a lot of people like, Oh, you, you know, I've had this happen during starting the bakeries. Like you can't make proper bagels from almond flour. Uh, cause you know, bagels need to be boiled for example. And, and you know, our bagels are boiled every single morning uh, and before they get baked, uh, and now we have filo dough and we make our own baklava. Uh, and you know, so cool. Like I, I post a lot of pictures of it on our uh, social, but like when you look at a filo sheet, you see all the specs, and I love that, right? Like you know, one yeah, you can see through it because it's so thin, but you can also see all the specs of the flaxseed, the psyllium husk. You know, it's like oh my god, you see what you're eating, right? Like you actually see all the nutrients and. And I'm very proud of the filo dough because it's never been done before. Like that's truly, there's no gluten-free filo out there. There's no, uh, let alone grain-free and keto. Um, and and I, I'm very proud of it. And I'm, I'm working on a, I might as well debut it here. I'm actually working on a croissant. Uh, and, oh, man. and it's very close. 
yeah, it's it's very so very excited. close. I'm hoping that by January we'll we'll, we'll have proper croissants. Um, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but uh, um, but yeah, we'll have that hopefully by January. Oh, I'm so excited! And you ship nationwide, right? For everyone yep. listening. Yep. Yep. Oh man. We ship well, coast to coast. That is so cool. We will. I will definitely announce that on my Instagram when your when your croissant comes out as well, so people can order that. With the holidays just around the corner, I was thinking, what better gift to give someone than the gift of health? Paragon Vitamins, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, is a very proud sponsor of this podcast. I am so grateful to have them. And I really, because I really love their stuff. I take their vitamins every single day. I really believe in them. And I was thinking, what a cool gift to give someone get them a hair analysis to get them started. And maybe if you have, depending on your budget, you could get them set up with like a month's worth of vitamins. But essentially, you could do the hair analysis, which will give them back a detailed report of exactly what's going on in their body. And then also a report of all the vitamins and minerals that they need. And then you can get your vitamins through Paragon. What a great gift. I would be so excited if someone got me that. Um, and also, I have a code for 15% off. Code is REALFOOD15. Use it at paragonvitamins.com to get started today. So when you and I chatted before we did this podcast, you were telling me um, about the way that the community really formed around you and really kind of like helped you with this. And I want you to talk about that a little bit because, you know, with 2020 being such a hard year, um, it was such a heartwarming part of your story for me to hear. And I want everyone to hear that because it, you know, it, it reminded me of, um, how amazing humans are and how we take care of each other during hard times. Yeah. Um, so in 2019, uh, as I mentioned in the old bakery, I had a partner and things were really falling apart and, and that started happening in January of 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there was lawyers involved, there was accountants involved, which put a lot of financial drain on the bakery. Meanwhile, you know, nobody outside of the bakery really knew this. Uh, and then it all kind of started coming to a head where I tried to work out some deal where I would keep the bakery, uh, but couldn't make a deal. And um, I was forced to shut down the bakery. Mm. I really didn't want to. And, and but, but at the point, I was like, I didn't really see a way out. I knew I was going to like try to come back. I just didn't know how. Mind you, still homeless at the moment. Um, and Thank you for sharing that with us. I know that was hard for you to share. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like even, even because things were, you know, like trying to pay lawyers and accountants and all that, it got to a point where the bank sent a tow truck to take my car. Uh, so that was amazing in front of everybody it was great um oh. yeah um so i i just posted in our social media saying okay you know this is what's happening um it's been a pleasure and I'm, i don't know what to do but for now we're closing and it, it was overwhelming i i just it's Everybody was like, hell no, you're, you're not closing. We're not letting you, uh, what can we do to help? And I, I didn't even know what to say, right? And uh, a longtime customer at the time, she called me and she's like, what do you need to start? And I told her capital. I, I, I really, I'm 
completely tapped out. Um, she was the only and the first person to know outside of the bakery that I was, you know, homeless at the time. And, and, and she was like, do you know what I do for a living? And I was like, Nope, no idea. You're my customer. That's all I know. <laughs> she's like, ah, let's, I'm out of town. Let's chat when I come back. Um, so, you know, when she came back, um, she's, um, her name is Marsha. Uh, she is an angel investor, but mm-hmm. she is a true angel. Like literally she just, I'm this guy that makes bread. Um, and, and she was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. Um, so she invested uh, a considerable amount and her, uh, and, and then a couple uh, and four other customers banded together with her and created an investor group. Um, and they set it up where, you know, it's a convertible note. So, you know, in a couple of years, if I pay them back, there's no equity shared mm-hmm. and they just, they're like, just do your thing. We don't, we just want you to continue baking. Um, and I also, while that was happening, I launched uh, a GoFundMe campaign because, you know, like getting all that paperwork takes time and the GoFundMe campaign blew up um, to the point that GoFundMe as a company donated it into our campaign 500 bucks because they're like, the, the comments on your campaign are kind of ridiculous one of our employees noticed it and nominated you and everybody agreed that apparently your community really wants you back. So here's 500 bucks. <laughs> I just, you wow. know, like from, so I, I think I launched the GoFundMe campaign early June because like the Ducks and Dragons shut down uh, May, end of May. And, you know, like the entirety of June was, my emotions were running so high, right? It's like, you know, people, all the messages I was getting, um, you know, the seeing the GoFundMe campaign blowing up, it, it was just so amazing. And, mm-hmm. and like, when I tell you, I would get messages from people's in-laws saying, we've never tried your bread, but you make so-and-so happy. So we're putting money into the campaign. And, and it's just like, what, <laughs> you know? And, and that's the thing. It's like, I always would joke around that every time I'm having a hard time with this bakery. And, and again, like I, I never spoke to it, about it to anybody. I would randomly get a, either a, a message on social media or a phone call from a customer saying, Hey, we really love your stuff. And you made such a big difference in our lives. And it's like almost like a bat signal goes up saying, Hey, Mina needs a, you know, somebody, a boost, give them a boost. And, Somebody will, will like pick up. Uh, it, it, so I'm completely blessed. I know 2020 has been a hell of a ride for a lot of people, right? Like, I, there's no words to describe how hard it must be for so many people. Mm-hmm. But I am so fortunate to have such an amazing community that, like, literally when the pandemic hit, my first thought was like, okay, I got to keep my team safe. Um, didn't want to close really, but like, I'm trying to figure out how to do it safely and still continue serving our community um so now i do have a place to live i actually went to my landlord and i'm like i don't know if i'm gonna be able to pay you but i'm happy to move out uh, i need to keep the, the money for the bakery and he was like you're kidding right he's like get back into your place it's just don't worry about it oh. uh, and and because I, I didn't know right like i mean everything had to close and we don't know what to do and 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 then you know i know a lot of um uh, restaurants and bakeries and stuff were like, oh, you know, buy gift certificates. 
and I did not see that as a good solution. Uh, so I, I, again, I went on our social media. I'm like, hey, we're we're open. We're here for you. We'll do like contactless deliveries. Um, just and I just waited, mm-hmm. and our bakery business, knock on wood, is almost 10 times more than it was in January and February and it's climbing. And that's all because of word of mouth, all because of the community, all of just people telling their friends and their friends are telling their friends. And now I'm I'm like from, you know, being just me and a couple of uh, people helping me in the kitchen. It's like, we have a team of nine, you know, (laughs) it's like, wow, it's amazing. Jobs. For other people. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Like since the pandemic, I hired five people. Uh, uh, and it's amazing. And, it, you know, like I literally have the whole family that bakes the bread, right? Like, you know, like it's uh, siblings and, you know, it's, it's so amazing. It's just like I, I always share their pictures on our social because, mm. you know, they're the, the superstars, right? They're baking and they're like making sure everything is coming out perfect. Uh, and yeah, we're growing. It's it's so amazing. It's like everything that everybody told me won't work, it worked. <laughs> I I my bet was on the community and the other thing that doesn't happen a lot in the food industry is taking care of my team. Um, so yeah, my my team I, I pay a lot more than on purpose because it's the Bay Area. Yeah. A lot more than other places. Uh and because they have to feel safe. They have to be happy. If my team is not happy, nothing is going to come out of it. Um, and and it just, it all works. It's so awesome that I'm able to do this. I'm able to, you know, build a business, share this whole, you know, crazy idea with so many people and not just in the Bay Area, but across the country. Um, and and again, like the, the, the main reason I wanted to share this is, you know, it's Thanksgiving and it's hard for so many people, but there's a lot of hope. And sometimes you just have to like, you know, keep punching uh, until you get there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I punched through it for five years um, mm-hmm. and with so many people ignoring and so many people like saying it's stupid and just don't listen, you know, put your headphones on and keep rocking, you know, just listen to your own drums that's it just just people don't have to see it your way uh just do your thing and make it happen um my biggest thing is like if you love what you do it doesn't matter if anybody else believes it um eventually people will see it and the unfortunate side effect of that is like yeah sometimes it'll be very very hard for a long period of time but if you love it, you stick with it, and it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Like I, yeah. I, I just, I try to share every now and then how many people send me messages like, "Oh my god, my kid is so happy now because they can eat a cookie," or, uh, "Oh my god, you know, like especially at couples, right? Like one that has to be gluten free and one that doesn't have to be, and it's usually like it's hard because they can't find something in common, and then now they can eat." stuff from the bakery they don't it doesn't matter right like everybody's happy with it because it tastes good uh, it just it, it warms my heart it makes me happy that we can do that um 
and growing in the middle of a pandemic. It's, it's, I still pinch myself. Wow. <laughs> wow. I've had tears in my eyes and goosebumps for the last like five minutes because I'm just the way that your community, I feel like I'm going to cry. The way that your community really like banded behind you is, ooh, man, it's really inspiring. And, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's just, there's no words. And this is where my English breaks up because it's my second language. It's like, I really have no words to describe how grateful I am, you know, to be your I am now with the bakery and have such yeah. an amazing community around that. Like literally, uh, I think I mentioned the story to you on, on uh, when we spoke a week or so ago, like I had this guy that was like a male Karen, like threatening oh, yeah. that he's going to sue the bakery. And I got so many messages saying, you know, one customer that was here before him, she was like, Oh my God, if I was still there, I would have punched him in the face. And then, so many customers that were like, you know, you wasted a loaf of bread on this guy. We're we're gonna place orders. Some people went above and beyond. They're like, I'm talking like orders that were a couple hundred bucks. I was like, wait, what? what? Like, thank you, but just it's it was one loaf of bread, and people were like, no, no, no we're we're gonna order two loaves because to hell with this guy, you know? Yeah, yeah it's it's amazing. Like, I literally. It's it's like an extended family where you know like don't mess with the bakery because it's like important for us right like it's it's yeah. phenomenal they got your back um, yeah yeah that, that's why it's like I I know I have something here and I'm just so glad I didn't listen to all the people that said this is not gonna happen uh, yeah. it just yeah it, I I wanted to build a community around it I wanted to have a good place for people to be working here and help me grow it. Um, and, and we're well on our way and it's amazing. And I'm excited for what's to come. I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to see where, where misfits goes next. Fresh uh, bread in all the grocery state. stores. Yeah. yeah. I would, love that. <laughs> <laughs> would be incredible, especially for someone like me. Like I said earlier, you know, I can't eat gluten. So I'm like, yes, finally fresh <laughs> bread that's made with integrity. Yeah. Just a really cool, amazing dude. Thank um, you. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've basically said this before, but just given the current state of affairs that's going on in this country right now, like with the pandemic and then with Trump and all the hatred, like it's just so refreshing to hear stories like this where, you know, there's a lot of really good people in the world. And they, yeah, it's just, oh, I love this story. I, I mean, so much. it's like, it, 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 you know, Again, the road has been so tough, and you know, like the, the business-wise, there's it's not where I really ultimately want it to be. But I am finally. It's like when people are talking to me, it's like, oh yeah, no, you, you that makes sense now, because right, like for the longest time, I would say, oh, I want to grow the bakery, I want to grow the team, and I want to be in like expanding different states. And people are like, yeah, okay, and now people are like, yeah, that will happen actually. Like, oh. <laughs> Finally welcome to my yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean you know it's 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 awesome i'm i'm glad it's like and it's like one of those things where i can like hold grudges and be upset about what people did or you know now it's like i have a bit of a chip on my shoulder you know whatever but it, i'm not holding a grudge it's like it, it's cool i'm so happy that people are seeing this i'm so happy that more people are opening their eyes to what's happening and like, you know, not being as arrogant because like the food business is full of arrogance 
Like mm-hmm. probably more than like I worked with engineers and scientists and usually here there's arrogance there, but oh my God, no, chefs are cool. <laughs> I can only uh, imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm just I'm I'm fortunate and I'm blessed that we're here and we're growing and I'm doing what I love and I'm, you know, growing the, the team and it's it's phenomenal. Oh man. Well, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. Um, I can't wait for everyone to hear this. It's so inspiring. Can you tell everyone where to find you? Instagram, website, whatever. Yeah. So our website is misfits.kitchen. Uh, there's no.com. It's just misfits.kitchen. Uh, our Instagram and Facebook is Misfits Bakehouse. Uh, all one word. And on Twitter, it's Misfits Kitchen. Amazing. And we'll also add all that to the show notes so people can get it. And for everyone listening, make sure that when you order from his website, because I know you're going to after this, get his tortillas and those croissants when they come out in hopefully January. (laughs) The tortillas are my favorite. What is your favorite item? What would you recommend people order? It's it's so hard when somebody asks me that. It's like asking a favorite uh, child. Right. <laughs> um, the tortillas or are maybe definitely... Like, uh, they're so good. Yeah, definitely a favorite. Um, I'm, I'm really, really happy with how they, they come out. Um, but always a classic is the bagel because, you know, mm. I love bagels. Um, but my first, you know, uh, few years I was on the East Coast and, you know, bagel and cream cheese is a big thing. Um, and then, you know, the sandwich bread you can make your sandwiches and it's awesome. Yeah. I had some today actually with butter and eggs. Ooh, it was so good. Right on. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, check out our new focaccia too. The focaccia is fantastic. Oh, yum. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was so special. I appreciate it. Thank you, Courtney. Okay. I just ended right. the, the recording. Awesome. You can also end your little voice memo. Oh, and before I forget, will you email that to me so I can give it to my editor? Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, do I have your email? Let's see. I don't know. Here, I'll text it to you right now. Yeah, please do that. I'll and, and then I can email it to you. I'll probably ha- upload it to like a Dropbox and share that with you. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, because it's probably gonna be too big. Um, yeah. just to email. Oh my gosh, yeah. this was so amazing! I can't wait for people to hear this story. I was literally holding back tears hearing that. Oh, thank you. I, I literally. Community. I, I literally never shared that with anybody. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Seriously. What an incredible story. Really? I, it's, I, I still honestly, I still pinch myself because I don't, you know, like it's insane, right? Like how many times do you hear about a food business that it's completely dead and gets revived by the customer mm. uh, and, and in such an epic way, right? Like, like literally when the investor group, uh, formed their whole thinking was oh yeah just we want you to go back to baking and you know do the farmer's market and you know go back on good eggs that's it right that's they really just wanted me to continue baking um yeah and i i, I was so self-conscious because i got overwhelmed it was like oh my god they just giving me this huge opportunity i didn't even talk about like oh i have these ridiculous dreams of like you know being everywhere yeah. uh, and then but it was like three months in, we got this place, which is the retail location. Um, and they're like, dude, we did not think that you were going to do all this. And I was like, oh, uh, wait. 
<laughs> like you didn't listen to me. I had big yeah. dreams. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's like amazing that I'm able to realize that. You know, that's and trust me, so much. Like um, I shared on our Instagram today uh, about uh, the meaning of my name in uh, in Arabic. Um, let's see where mm-hmm. is it. Uh, hold on. It's, uh, you know, like being, um, so in every other culture than other than Egypt, uh, the name Mina is a female name, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, even from Bram Stalker's, um, Dracula, right? It's Mina was the, the mm. main, uh, right. Uh, in, in, in Egypt, the, it, it means, uh, somebody who's committed, un- unrelenting, and determined, or pretty much stubborn, <laughs> and I am very, very stubborn. <laughs> You're living up <laughs> so to like, your name. You know, it's, it's in my name. <laughs> yeah. You're like, is anyone surprised? Because yeah, I'm you know, not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is so, that's I mean, so cool. <laughs> Thank oh. you. Well, thank you again for sharing this. I wish I could stay and chat longer. I actually have to go because I have to be. And no, no, yeah. Um, but seriously, like, good. I, I, again, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I really, like I'm, I'm so excited for people to to hear this story. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing all that. And it's going to help a lot of people. I think you already are helping people with your bread. I really hope so. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, that's that's always been the goal. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Talk to you soon. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McComb. The song is by Georgie. As always, please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It really helps me in this show a lot. See you next week. I know.